0: even see how God is just setting things up. Uh, Even during worship, some of the words that Landon will will speak and some of the things that he's praying, it all leads to a point uh, that God has laid on our heart and the message of truth that he wants you guys to hear. Uh, And so it's just cool cool to see that, to see how God is moving all throughout the service and leading to a point of, man, we get get to take home some truth with us. Um, So here we go. So I've got some pretty exciting news uh, for you guys today. But before I share that exciting news, I need you to, get to know how I arrived at that exciting news. Um, have any of you ever received maybe a gift before, but the gift was a little confusing? You ever been at that point? All right. Well, this Christmas, I had that experience. Uh, so Ashton, my wife, and I, we got married December 16th. Okay? Yeah. Give it up. We got married December 16th. Uh, and I don't know why we decided to get married a week before Christmas. Uh, for some reason, I guess we thought that was a great idea. Uh, In hindsight, I don't know if that was the best idea, Uh, because we had a lot of family that, man, they came for our wedding, but they couldn't come back to celebrate Christmas with us, right? So we went off, we went on our honeymoon, uh, we came back, and my brother and sister-in-law, we were older, uh, they're married, and and they had a gift for us, and they're like, man, you, you need to open this gift, you can't wait. You have, to, you have to open it right away when you get back. There's no hesitation. I thought that was a little, a little funny. I mean, that's weird. Why would, you know, 30 minutes after we get back from our honeymoon, we're just getting to see our family, and they want us to open this gift. Uh, but they are persistent. And, and they weren't there because I mean, they lived seven hours away, so they were they were gone. So, like, you have to FaceTime us in. You, we have to be able to see your reaction uh, to this gift that, you, that you, we've given you. Uh, so we got back 30 minutes in after my conversation with my parents. They're like, okay. Let's FaceTime uh, my brother and sister-in-law. And so we Facetime them. Uh, we pulled out this gift. Uh, and Ashton and I, we did the typical, you know, the couple opening of the gift. Hey, I'll open, I'll take this piece of the tissue paper, right? And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll grab this t- piece of the tissue paper. they the typical thing. And we pulled out this box, okay? And in this box, we found this ornament. And on this ornament, it says, aunt and uncle established in 2018. Okay, you guys are probably getting it, right? You guys probably understand what that means. Okay, I missed the point. I did not understand, all right? I'm like, whoa, whoa, oh no, it's gonna be a while. I mean, it, it's gonna be at least three years before that happens. This, this is, no, whoa, 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 fumbled over my words. Uh, and at that point, Ashton's like, congratulations. I looked at her, congratulations on what? What are you, what are you talking about? We are not pregnant, all right? So, yeah. they, And that's when it clicked, right? They're not saying that they're going to be an aunt and uncle in 2018. They're saying that we are going to be the aunt and uncle, <laughs> all right? So you can say, I missed the point, right? But it's just funny because at that point, my uh, family had hung up with my brother and sister-in-law, and I- I'm thinking... Oh my gosh, what did I just do? That is definitely not the reaction that they were expecting. <laughs> my parents, my, my my wife, my sister, they, they began to say, what was that all about? <laughs> Don't you understand that, you're, that you're, your brother and your sister-in-law, they're pregnant? They're going to have a kid? You're going to be an aunt? You're going to be an uncle? I'm like, well, I get it now. It makes sense now. <laughs> so at that point, I had to call them back. I had to be like, first words that came out of my, my mouth were, I get it, I understand. (laughs) But isn't that that the way in life, right? It's easy to miss the point, right? It's easy to to get to a place where uh, you look over things, uh, you you rush things, and and you miss the point. Has anybody ever missed the point in here? Yeah, Yeah? missed the point? I know there's at least one other person in this room that has missed the point, that's for sure. Uh, So my wife Ashton, I give her a hard time because it's kind of fun. Has everyone had a chance to meet Ashton? Yeah? (laughs) Okay, she's pretty awesome. Uh, so something that you need to know about Ashton is that she is super competitive, okay? Like competitive to the max. Um, and, and it's funny because a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll see the, the husbands at, at the family gatherings, and, and they're going all out, and the wives are like, wow, take it easy. I mean, it, it's just we're, just, we're having a game here. This is with the family, right? Take it easy, okay? Uh, a lot of times you'll see Ashton, uh, I'm the person that has to say it to her, I'm like, Ashton, we're just playing for fun. I mean, if this is just a game, like you don't need to be dunking over my little cousin who's five, right? I mean, take it easy, right? <laughs> but it's just funny that, man, I'm the one that has to do that for her. Um, but a, a lot of times, I mean, it's easy just to miss the point. And it's funny because at, at times when uh, people will be explaining the rules to the games, and Ashton is like... Okay, I get it, but what's the point? What's the end goal? How do I win? And the family member will be like, well, we're just playing for fun. Okay, you don't tell Ashton that you're just playing for fun, right? But how many of other people in here are competitive by raising their hand? Anybody else competitive? Yeah, yeah? Awesome. So those that are raising their hands, they're raising their hand, but they're like, what's the point? Why am I raising my hand? How do I know who wins, right? <laughs> but it's easy to miss the point in life. Uh, And the thing that I was just coming back to when I was preparing for this message is that, man, when when you miss the point, uh, it's easy to do that, but if if you see the heart of God and if you know the heart of God, you won't miss the point, right? And so the next few passages that I have here, uh, it just, I was reading through them, and man, it showed the heart of God. And so we're going to read them. Uh, It starts here in Luke 15. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So the Pharisees here, they're challenging Jesus, right? He's eating with these these tax collectors. And in those days, tax collectors, they were looked down upon. right? They they were looked at as immoral because they were cheating people. They were uh, cheating people of their money. Uh, But he goes on to say, and Jesus told this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In this passage, you see, man, there's a hundred sheep. And that is the normal flock. That, that is the flock that is usually a hundred sheep. Okay? And you see the one sheep that was in the flock and then strays away. But you see the shepherd. And the shepherd in, the, in this story is, uh, is, is alluded to as God. So in the shepherd, the, the, the shepherd goes and he looks for that lost sheep. We see it. In the same way, God, he cares about those that have strayed away. Maybe those that have been in, in a relationship with God, those that have been a part of a church family. He cares about those that have walked away from him. You see that in his heart. That is the first story in Luke 15. There's three of them. So I'm going to read the second one here. And the second one says Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. It's fun, on Wednesday night, I asked the students, what do you picture when you picture the Lord? Or what do you picture when you picture Jesus? You guys ever thought about that? What is the picture that comes to mind? Uh, and it's funny, I was with some middle school students, and you know how middle schoolers can be sometimes. Uh, specifically middle school boys. It's fun, it's fun to just uh, talk with them and, and see where their mind goes. Uh, and one of them was saying, well, I picture this wrinkly guy, this kind of old, wrinkly guy. Maybe someone has like long, straggly hair, this big beard. Uh, and I feel like these stories, man, uh, they, they, they show the heart of God, right? They show how God is, is someone that he's there waiting with open arms, right? And he's there even kneeling. A, a, an, an act of surrender, of I want to be closer to you, right? He's, he's a God that He's not going to turn His back on you, but rather He's waiting in anticipation. If you have left the fold, if you have left the flock, to come back to Him, right? And we see that in this next in this next story, this next parable, as Jesus He goes on even further. He says, Jesus continued, and there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said, His father said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. So he divided the property. Between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a, a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went with his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Man, that phrase, it says, but while he was still a long way off. Let me just hit on that for a moment here. That phrase, it it boggled my mind. While he was still a long way off. Because that doesn't mean that we serve a father that is sitting on the couch, the doorbell rings, and he's surprised. All of a sudden, what was lost is now found, right? No, we serve a God that he, he's there waiting in anticipation, waiting for those that have not found or those that have strayed away to come back to him. And that's the kind of God that we serve. And when we see his heart, it makes sense, right? There, there's a point to this life, right? When we see his heart, when we see the heart of God. Um, and so how many of us, have you ever thought or back to the time when you were found? Have you ever thought back to that point? Uh, I even uh, ever thought about where you were when you were found, I meaning you, you came into relationship with God when you came into relationship with him. It's crazy when you think about that, right? It, it was boggling to me when I thought about that this week, uh, that, man, we, that, that time when I was found. So I remember where I was. I, re, I was with my parents in my room. I was a, a kid, and I was up there in my, in my room, and my parents came up to me the room, and, and they're like do you know what it means to have the Lord in your life, have him the the Lord and and Savior of of your life? I'm like, yeah, I I guess I understand that. I remember praying a prayer with them uh, to ask God to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And it was crazy because uh, I was this young kid, but it's fun to to remember back to that point, to be back uh, to that point. Um, And it's just just challenging to think about that, right? Um, So as we continue here, it says, bring the fatted calf. And kill it. Let's hear. A, let's have a feast and celebrate. For the Son of Man was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And at the end of each of those stories, we see a celebration. They're celebrating because what was once lost is now found. Right? The end of each of these stories. They're celebrating. And in the same way, we should celebrate when you know those that have lost have been found. You see it all the time in the church. Um, we think back to what it's like to be found. I feel like it's easy uh, to think about, okay, I'm found, but, but now what, right? For what purpose? I'm found, but now what? I, th- I feel like you see it all the time in the church where uh, people think, man, I've achieved it, right? I'm here. I've I- I found, I- I found a relationship with God. Man, it, it's, it's completed, right? That's what it's all about. And I feel like a lot of times the Lord is showing me that the church can be like a bin of apples, right? You have a bin of apples, and if it just sits there, it becomes sour, right? It just sits, and it sours. And I feel like the Lord was telling me, uh, and even uh, a couple weeks ago when Zay was preaching, uh, the Lord told me that, man, it's not about here, but it's about out there. And, and the Lord, he, he showed me vividly this, this, this picture. And I'm an athlete. Uh, I've always kind of grown up in sports, so that's where my mind goes. And he gave me the illustration of men. In here is like practice, right? You're preparing, you're preparing, you're, you're, you're getting ready. Uh, and that's what the church is biblically, right? You're getting ready, you're building each other up, you're uh, encouraging one another, you're calling out things that they don't maybe see. You're, you're, you're studying the place, you're prepared for what's going to come at you. And that's what this place is, that's what these four walls are, right? And then he was showing me that out there, it's like the game, right? It's like, that, that's, that's where it counts, that's where it matters, That out there, that's what we're living for, right? Because there's a point to this life, right? There's a point to this life, and that is to reach and to change, right? To reach and to change. There's responsibility with being found. You're not just found to sit and to sour. You're found to go out and to reach and to change. And you see that in the heart of God. Man, those stories, it all points to this, this, this uh, phrase here in the Bible. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, the context of, of this, this passage and this story is man, Jesus has just died on the cross. Okay? He, he has just died for their sins, He has just risen, He's alive again, and He, he, he gathers up all of His disciples that go back to, to the mountaintop, and there he, he tells His disciples this to go and to do likewise, to go and make disciples. Like, I have discipled you, go and do the same. And and that that just challenged me because this is the last thing that he told his followers before he ascended into heaven. This is the last thing that he wanted them to know. He had all all this time to tell them so much, but this is the last thing that he wanted them to know, to go and do likewise, to go and to make disciples. So this week as I was was praying and just thinking about that, uh, there was something that was so just very reassuring to me. Because when you think about that, of man, the Lord has entrusted us to go and to do, make disciples, to go and to, to reach those that are far from him. He, he, he told me that was so reassuring. He said, God is not looking for people that are perfect, but he's looking for people that are available. Right? And, and that was just so reassuring to me just because, man, in life, I'll give you a little insight. Growing up, <laughs> I did not like to speak in front of people. Right? I hated it. Okay, I remember uh, being in high school and being in a, a, a speaking class. A, a, what is that called? Speech. There we go. I was in a speech class, right? I was in speech in, in college, and that was the worst five minutes of my life. It's only five minutes, right? How hard can it be to speak in, in front of someone for five minutes? Uh, and I hated it. But the Lord, He, he, he showed me this week that, man, when he, when he appoints you, he calls you to do something, he's going to equip you. Right? He's going to make you worthy. He's going to make you so that you can do what he's called you to do. right? And that was so very reassuring to me because um, just it was so difficult growing up and not being able to do uh, those things. So he's looking for available people, not perfect people. But he also desires to use you too, to reach and to change. I looked up some synonyms for the words use, because I don't necessarily like that, that word use. He desires to use you. And the one word that popped out in my mind that just made so, so much sense to me was value. He desires to add value to you by using you. He's going to value you. He's going to, to make you better. He's going to uh, use you to, to reach and to change. And the, the one person that just kept popping in my mind this week was Jeff Scott. So I don't know if you guys know who Jeff is, uh, but Jeff is someone that Man, he, he's just started taking pictures for our photography team. And uh, man, I'm thankful that he's the one taking pictures and not me. Because if I was taking the pictures, ain't no one want to look at those pictures, right? How many of you are thankful for people that have talents outside of yours, right? And so he is someone that, man, I could, I could not do what he does. Uh, I, I was thinking of uh, Billy Reinheimer, or, or uh, Billy Jean Reinheimer. I ran into her as I was here on Saturday uh, working on my message. And every Saturday she comes in and she is, you know, preparing for the kids. Uh, for She works all, all week and then on Saturday she comes in and prepares for the kids for what he, he, they need to be taught on a, on, in kids' church. And it's crazy because, man, I was just so thankful for people outside of my talents, people that do what I cannot do. And that is, that's the picture of a church, right? And, and a church, uh, the, the Lord talks about the church being a body. And the body, there's the hand, there's the feet. There's, they're all different parts, but they work together for, for one purpose, for one good, right? And that, that was just the picture that the Lord showed me is that, man, I'm just so thankful for people that can do what I cannot do. But maybe you're still feeling like you are not gifted enough or talented enough or, man, I, I can't do what others do. You look at someone else and you're like, man, I can't do that. I'm not talented enough. I don't have those talents. I don't have those gifts. Uh, and the Lord just he showed me that, man, everyone here is different. We're all different people. We all have different talents, but that's so reassuring because we're all working together for the same goal. And if you're still feeling that way, uh, I was reading in, in 1 Samuel 16, and it says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So here, uh, Samuel is looking for a king. The king was Saul. Saul had turned his heart from God. So Samuel is looking for a king. And God said, go look among Jesse's sons. Jesse has seven sons. Uh, go look there. You're going to find your king there. And, and the first guy that he sees is Eliab. He, he looks the part, right? He has the stature. He, he, he looks good. He's tall, right? But God says, no, I don't want to use him. So he goes by the next seven sons, each of the ones he goes by, the Lord's like, no, this is not the king that I have. And so Samuel asked Jesse, do you have any more sons? Is there anybody else that is here? And he said, well, I have one other son. There's, there's, there's one other son. But he's, he's the, the youngest. He, he's the shortest. Right? He, he's even in the field with the sheep right now, right? You don't want to use him. Anybody but him, right? His name is David. You know, fast forward, David from David and Goliath. God anointed him. God used him. And later on it says, So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a a sword, his hand stuck down the Philistine and killed him. So you see, David, in human perspective, he was not the one. Right? In human perspective, he, he couldn't be used He was the smallest. He was the youngest. Who would have thought David, right? But he conquered Goliath. He conquered this giant with a sling and a stone. And how incredible is that? That God chooses to use you and me, right? He doesn't have to, but he chooses to. He desires to. But this year, it's about reaching and changing. So you've been, you've been found so that you can find blank. You've been found so that you can find John. You've been found so that you can find Timmy. You've been found so that you can find blank. There's weight, there's responsibility with being found. You've been found so you can find. And it's crazy because it all comes down to intentionality, right? To live life intentionally. And it's crazy because I'm someone that likes Walmart. Anybody like Walmart? OK? I'll admit it, I, I, I confess, I like Walmart. And it's funny because at Walmart, I see the same people all the time. I'm there, just ask my wife, I'm there probably sometimes twice a day, OK? I like Walmart, all right? I like Walmart. But it's funny because whenever I go to Walmart, uh, I'm starting to know some of the, the workers by name. And there's this one worker that he stands out to me. And we've kind of formed a relationship and everything. Uh, and every time I go, I, I, I see him, I go to his line. Okay, It would be easier to go to the self-checkout line. It would be easier maybe to go to a line that is shorter. Uh, but I always go to his line because the Lord has showed me that to reach and to change, you must live intentionally. You have to live with a purpose. You have to live life on purpose. Uh, I believe that's what, what God has called us to is, man, it looks different from every, for everybody, right? Everyone's not going to do what that person next to them is going to do. But if we're all doing something, we're going to be able to reach and to change. We're going to be able to live life intentionally to make a difference, right? If everyone would just would stand with me this morning, um, I just want to give you a moment to think through two questions, okay? There was this two questions that were on my heart. Uh, this when I was preparing for the message, and the first is this: How can you live life with intentionality? What can you do? Okay, it's was, it was crazy, um, man. This morning I woke up and I was a little bit discouraged uh, because last night we had come for prayer. We had come to celebrate what God had done in the 21-day fast. And the day previously, so on Saturday, it was laid on our pastoral staff's heart to go and pray for those uh, of our houses and and do a, a prayer march around each of our houses. And when they got to my house, my apartment, uh, Christy and some of the other pastors knew that I had hurt my knee uh, the the week previously in the power place basketball team we play. And that first game, I hurt my knee. I injured it. Right. And it was the same knee that I tore my ACL on. It was the same knee that I tore my meniscus on. Uh, and, and I was discouraged, right? And the first week of the fast, I'm praying for it. I'm believing that God is going to heal my knee. Um, but after that, you know, I, I didn't see any fruit from it. I didn't see it. wasn't feeling any better. So I was like, I guess I'm just going to have to go get it checked out. I'll just have to go to the doctor and, and see what he says. Um, and at that point, uh, I was kind of, was just, that, that's where I was lying. And Christy was like, no, we need to pray for your knee. We need to, we need to believe that, that God is going to heal you. Uh, and so... What happened was we, on our prayer march, we were walking around, and each time we were walking around, it was feeling better. It was feeling better. It was feeling better. Uh, that final round, I was just so relieved, so encouraged, because uh, God, I, I believe, had healed my knee, and really He, he had, because I was, I was believing for it. I, I, I'd been testing it out. It, it felt so good. I hadn't had any more pain in it, uh, and last night, man, I, I was praising God, and uh Greg was asking for, you know, testimonies that happened during the 21-day fast. And so, man, the Lord had healed my knee. How incredible is that? I want to praise him for that. So I I, uh, laid it out there, and I was like, God had healed my knee. And then after that point, uh, there was a little bit of pain. I I left, we went to the market, and there was pain there. I was like, what in the world, Lord? Like, you healed my knee. Why am I feeling pain? What is this? Uh, And I was just, like, discouraged. I was like, come on. You know, right before I'm going to preach here on Sunday, what in the world? You know, you just healed my knee. Um, and so I woke up this morning and I was like, the Lord told me, he said, man, do you have faith as this, uh, this small as a mustard seed? Because faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. And he said, put faith, put action to where your faith lies. And so I, I got on a hoodie, I got on a pair of sweatpants and I went for a run. <laughs> I ran around Seth. <laughs> I did the same run that we did on our prayer walk. And every time, I just kept feeling, feeling better and better. And by the end, I was I was sprinting, I was running, and I knew that God had healed me, but it took intentionality, right? Because without intention, without going and, and doing action with my faith, it wasn't gonna happen, right? Because with faith without action is dead. I believe that is what God is calling us to today. And God is calling us to do this year, to reach and to change, to put action to our faith, to step out, to live intentionally, to reach and to change. So think for with me for a moment with, for these two questions. How can you live life with intentionality? What can you do? And who can you reach and change? I'm going to give you a moment just to think of those questions. How can I live life intentionally? Who can I reach and change? And now that you've maybe thought of those things, I wanna give you an opportunity to bring those things before the Lord. Whether that's in your seat with your hands lifted up, if that's in the altar, I want you to bring those things before the Lord. How can I live life intentionally? Who can I reach? Who can I change? All over this place. As the band begins to play, I just want you just to begin to call out that name, to call out that that direction that God has given you to, to be intentional with your life. As this began, band just begins to go. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. But you use us this year, God, to reach and to change. Thank you, To live life. I felt led. Um, man, I was talking about how faith without action is dead. So I feel like we need to act out in our faith today. I really believe that, man. If you have someone that's on your mind, we need to reach and we need to change. I've been found, so that I can find this person. Man, I feel like if you're believing God to for, for a miracle in this person's life, if you're believing God for the lost to be found in this person's life, that man, you need to bring him before the Lord. You need to make a step. To come to the front just to reach and to change because faith without action is dead or if you're, you're believing god to be intentional in this circumstance that you need to lay it before the lord and and to show him man we mean business That man we we are we're gonna we're gonna go for this we were believing to reach and to change this year so i'm just gonna give you the opportunity right now man god we're going for it lord we just we seek your heart right now god Man, we, we believe that you're gonna reach and change this person this year, God. We believe that you're gonna use us in this area this year, God. Would you reach and change this person, God? Would you reach and you change this person, Lord? God, we are believing for healing in this person, God. Would you do what only you can do in this situation, Lord, God? Thank you, Lord, for we're, we're bringing faith with action, God, this year, so we can be reached and we can be changed, Lord, for you, God. Would you use us this year, God? God, would this be a year, God, that you would just use for reaching and changing, for building your kingdom, God? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God.